It is the Dynasty Podcast Panelcast Series, featuring a live industry panel recorded on December 16th, 2013, as part of the Creatives at Work Music Forum Series. My name is Haima Black. I host this panel at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, the best of Chicago Music 2013 live panelcast, featuring Britt Julius, Alex Fruchter from Closed Sessions, and Jamie Ludwig from ChicagoMusic.org. Here's how that sounds. So really, like I said, really great panel here tonight with a lot of people who are very knowledgeable about Chicago music. And so that is what we are going to be talking about is the year in music and kind of like who did what, who was releasing great music, what did they do that worked, maybe what did they do that didn't work or work against them. Um, so let's kind of start with really the big one, the only place we could start this year, which is Chance the Rapper. Um, kind of run down... The year that Chance had, he released Acid Rap, which was his second mixtape under the name of Chance the Rapper uh, in April 2013, and then it all just blew up. Uh, Spins Rapper of the Year, Rolling Stone's Best Mixtape of 2013, Red Bull's Best Mixtape of 2013, um, the BBC Longlist feature for 2014, uh, Spins' Second Best Album of the Year, Greg Cott's Number One Chicago Indie Album of 2013 in the Tribune, uh, he just did two sold-out nights here in Chicago for his social experiment tour, made Billboard's top R&B slash hip-hop albums chart as a bootleg, and he performed to a insanely packed and frenzied crowd at Lollapalooza on one of the smaller stages, which was tucked away, and it was pretty impossible to get close to him. So that was kind of a very brief, succinct overview of the year that Chance had. Um, you guys want to weigh in, though, really on the phenomenon that was Chance the Rapper in Chicago in 2013? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was incredible. What, do you, what specifically do you want to know? I mean, you know, he... He took a photo with Madonna. What's that? Yeah, he took a photo with Madonna. No. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, yeah. I mean, he owned the year, though, not just in Chicago, but really, like... He was the breakout star that you could put on par with, like, the ascent of Chicago artists, I think, with, like, a like a Smashing Pumpkins, like an R. Kelly, like a Wilco. Even if he doesn't have an official, you know, record that you could buy on iTunes, it's like his momentum now is on par with, I think, those level of acts. Yeah. I think, like, last year, a lot of the uh, artists that came out of Chicago, like Chief Keef or King Louie, they brought a lot of the industry attention here, but someone like Chance... Uh, I think he, he shows that it can be here for the long term and he sets up a long term of artists and he also brings light to another Chicago hip hop community that's been bubbling for the last five or six years kind of chipping away at some kind of national recognition yelling for sites that you just mentioned that are all naming acid rap you know their best uh, project or sites that come in and want to say that they made Chance the Rapper uh, popular, trying to kind of put their stamp on this on this movement that's been going on for years, and he brings light to the Chicago hip-hop uh, community that's been doing stuff for a long time, I think. Yeah, I mean, what is it, what kind of, like, trickle-down effect, or what, what impact does a kind of, like, atom bomb like this have on the Chicago scene or Chicago scenes? Like, how does this impact not just Chance, but the community and the artists around him? I think it's very empowering. I mean, just you've seen the artists that he's worked with directly now getting that same kind of recognition and also landing on a lot of these lists. But I think it, it uh, sets a standard and I think it gives a lot of pride to the, to the scene. I guess I might be more of like a cynic. I kind of think that Chicago is much better rather than like um, building up scenes. Rather, uh, they're better at sort of like getting one artist and promoting that one artist and um, that one artist is sort of the one that breaks out. And so that's what I kind of, when I look at Chance, that's what I think of. Like I think of him being the biggest and there might be sort of, you know, other people that are part of his scene, but I think in general, like he's going to be the one that kind of represents everything for Chicago. That's just my opinion, though. Sure. So. so I guess that leads to an interesting question. You know, Alex, you kind of brought up Chief Keefe, and 
we have done this with Dynasty Podcasts in various venues um, or just different studios. Every year we have like a end of the year reflection on the year in Chicago music. Alex has been a part of them for the last two or three years at least. And over the last couple of years we've talked, you know, there have been different points where we're like, man, kids these days, they're going to blow up and this coming year is going to be their year and then they break up. And then it's like, man, this year belonged to Keefe. You know, the future is, is Chief Keefe's to lose. And it, it kind of doesn't really like, you know, I, I didn't feel like Chief Keefe had any presence this year. So do we think that, you know, and, and Chance is entirely his own artist. When I'm just talking about it, I'm only comparing him to those other artists because at the end of the year, the previous couple of years, it seemed like they were the ones who were poised to go to the next level. Do we really feel like Chance is going to be the one that has the longevity that, you know, continues this momentum that he has accumulated in 2013? Because he's not the first Chicago artist in the last couple of years to have a really good year. I think he's going to be here for a while, uh, definitely next, like, 2014. And I guess what I'm looking at from there's a, there's a way to, like, make it and be huge, but we don't we haven't even had, like, how Minneapolis has this Rhyme Sayers Collective and all right. these cats can put out a project and sell 50,000 copies or whatever, but they can tour the country and also pack out venues everywhere and sell merch and actually be living musicians and artists. The Chicago hip-hop community hasn't seen anything like that previously that now I feel with Chance where he may be bigger than life or the face. You know, I don't disagree with that at all. Like, he is the face, and I feel like uh, this the further structure can come from that, if that makes sense. So are, are you saying that, so I'm on the same page, mm -hmm. that you think he could be a leader in the community and really support other artists and kind of grow that umbrella effect? Yeah, I, I think so. Well, I mean, you know, Acid Rap was in places a very, um, I think, socio-conscious album, you know, um, that drew attention to some of the issues about Chicago, you know, the violence here, the murder rate, it, the feeling that we've kind of been abandoned on some level in, in certain neighborhoods, like on the south side and the west side and stuff like that. So to me, it feels like there's definitely some level of I think calling attention to some of these matters and trying to put them on more of a national level feels like. I don't know if anyone disagrees with that or agrees. I agree. I don't know. If, I guess no one else has thoughts about Chance besides me. But I don't know. <laughs> Brett, I, I think, Britt, you look like you're like on the fence, so I'm cu totally curious what you think. I, it brings attention. I, actually, I, I really don't think it, it brings attention. I think, okay. I think someone like like last year with Chief Keefe, he brought a lot more attention to that because it was it was much more real and much more. Um, whereas I, with Chance, it feels like you know he's like reflecting on what he sees, and, and with Chief Keefe, it was an issue of him sort of living it. And but I think that with him as an artist, with Chief Keefe as an artist, um, with him living it and living in it, I think. It, it was too much for people, and and it's the sort of thing that maybe we don't want to confront. Like, well, we can take it as a sort of like watered down, um, watered down reflection from chance, but not like the really gritty, uncomfortable stuff that we get from knowing who Chief Keith is as um, a rapper and as a person. Yeah, I mean, did Chief did did Chief Keith kind of become like the the villain? in the narrative or, or was it kind of like, oh, like totally. to, you know like to look at it through like a dark night lens was he the joker where it was kind of too scary too ferocious and too uncomfortable for people I think so and you know the the media then turned um, not that they turned on him but they were sort of following everything he did and so every single you know arrest he had was reported in like the Chicago Sun Times and the Tribune and who really cares if he's like getting arrested for speeding too much but it was sort right. of like building this narrative where it's like you know, let's not talk too much about him. He's, or if we're going to talk about him, we're just going to talk about the, the crazy things that he's gotten himself involved in and, and turn attention away from the actual issues that he sort of reflects on and, um, and represents in Chicago. Well, when you see things like, and not, not to like totally turn this into like the Keefe discussion, but, you know, when you see things like the speeding arrests and things like that, you're like, that's not really that bad at all. Yeah. Like a lot of people, I've, I've gotten pulled over for speeding. Exactly. Like that's a, pr like... That's a pretty tame kind of... Um, but he, he was going like 100 and had also been already on um, bail or 
I'm kind of. Are I mean, you, suggesting I you, wasn't going you speeding <laughs> as an adult, you're sure. older than 17. I don't know how old you are, but At you're least not. older than 17, um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I just think like some of that was so overdone. And right, it was yeah, like talked about more about. because his music was not as good. Yeah. But I don't know. I just see it like growing up in Chicago. Uh, I'm from the uh, Hyde Park where Vic is from and Wiley. And like, I just think that there are kids that grow up in Chicago on the South side that don't grow up like Chief Keefe. And that is just as valid coming up in Chicago that that should be seen as well. So it's cool to at least see like, and living in Chicago can be super bad and there that needs attention. And it, and it can also give you experiences like Chance or Vic may have or someone from uh, the North side. It's at least cool that our city's music scene on the hip hop side of it is not condensed to one neighborhood. Um, and all these ills, which definitely need attention. I taught, uh, taught in CPS in Inglewood for years, um, and it, it is terrible and needs attention, but just if we're speaking on the music side of it, it's cool that there's way more variety, at least reaching national eyes and ears. So let's look at the music then, um, so we don't just talk about Chief Keith speeding the whole panel. Uh, you know, obviously, like I listed off just a portion of some of the notable kind of praise that Acid Rap and Chance got at the end of the year. Why do you think, because, you know, he's not the only artist who put out a great record this year by any means, and it was a great record, but why do you think everyone was in such a rush to kind of put the crown on Chance this year? You know, what is it about his presence, his music, him as an artist, that every critic really wanted to, like, be first in line to kind of put their stamp on him? Just the internet hype, I think. A, yeah. a lot of these magazines, it's funny, like uh, Complex had him on the cover and they wrote a story on him uh, shortly after saying like, we're a groundbreaking magazine and we're the first to put Chance on the cover. But it's like, no, you're not. He was on the cover of other magazines previously. He was on Dazed and Confused earlier this year. These are the same publications that I would go to bat for, for these all these artists telling, about, telling them about uh, Chance six months ago. And they all were like, no, we're not fucking with this. It reached a point where for them to be valid publications, they had to recognize him. And I think once that snowball started, it was like everyone wants to be like, oh, no, we're on top of this. Like this, the Rolling Stone mixtape list of the year to me was weird just as someone that I've had a subscription to Rolling Stone for since I was a teenager. It's like, you guys don't listen to these projects. It, no. it felt like they didn't even hear any of them. They're just like, oh... These, this is who's getting a lot of hits. We got to be on this top of this. This is trending on Twitter. Yeah, but I, don't, yeah. I just, just seem like they hadn't heard any of these projects. I think that's what all the Rolling Stone end of year lists look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's very weird, though, where there is this kind of um, precedent that's just, and it's not singling out anyone, but it's the, it's the internet culture where it's like you have to be in a hurry where it's like if you're not behind whoever the hot artist is this year, and you don't have your piece of exclusive content, and you weren't on them first before whoever, then you're, like, left out of the rain. You don't have page views. You don't have any hype. You don't have any presence. Like, does that damage the chances for other artists who, like you were talking about, like, when you were trying to pitch Chance before everyone was, was behind him? Like, how does that impair other artists who maybe don't have that kind of, like, hype momentum behind them? Anyone? You can, you can go ahead. I mean, I think we're in a cycle now where we can't, we can't escape the hype machine. So there's always going to be one person who is sort of leading, leading the pack, who's getting the most amount of hype, and everyone else is just going to fall through the cracks. Um, the way that it works on you know, the internet now is that it's so quick that there's it's almost like uh, for, for audiences and for publications especially, it's sort of a race to, to, to find the next great person. But um, I, think, I think a lot of other artists suffer, but I, but I do think that because there's so many outlets now online that a lot of artists who might not have gotten any coverage before can sort of slip through the cracks and, and maybe they'll do like, it's not necessarily a good thing, but maybe they'll do like a, a list of like 10 great Chicago artists to, to listen sure. to right now. And um, a person hasn't really released very much music, but they're sort of slipping through there because there's this um, machine of trying to get as much content out there 
as possible. So it, it could be bad because people, you know, you can get discarded so quickly, but it can also be really good in that there's more outlets to be, um, to get that sort of exposure. It's really hard to tell like what's bad, like nowadays, because like people don't want to so say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think it could be really detrimental. I think that's been one of the ways that the music industry has been kicking itself in the ass since the internet has really spread. Is there's always been a rush for the next big thing as long as there's been entertainment out there. There's always going to be hype about something. But what's different is aside from like Britt was saying, like a blogger who really cares about what's happening is. The race to be the next person to cover something is making people, you know, they're writing about stuff that, and they're not taking the time to get to know it. Like you're saying about, um, you know, writing about Chief Keefe's like speeding history, maybe they, it's easier to just cite a traffic report than it is to listen to his record and talk about the lyrics. Or dig into so, like what his record means yeah. for the larger narrative and what an artist like him represents. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and obviously he's a a more well-known example, but a lot of artists don't get any anything at all, and if they do, it's it's by somebody who hasn't hasn't taken the time, or maybe doesn't have the time, to really get to know their record before they're, they're going to make a a judgment on it. So let's say that you are an emerging, you know, artist in Chicago. You're starting out, or maybe you've been around for a couple of years. You've got great music, you've got a great sound, and you're starting to generate like a little bit of traction but you're not a chance you're not a chief keep you're not smith westerns what are your options what's what's the best strategy i mean each of myself included everyone in here covers the chicago music scene or supports it in, in one fashion or another like what can artists do to get your attention if they don't have the chance the rapper momentum behind them one thing that i've noticed is that a lot of like i i do like a, a most of my music writing usually focuses actually on like electronic music mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, R&B, and uh, a lot of artists that I've seen, they, um, the good thing about the internet is that they can collaborate with people like across the globe, mm -hmm. and I think that's one way that people have sort of been building hype for themselves is by, um, you know, reaching out to someone in LA, reaching out to someone in London, and so you're sort of building bridges in that capacity because you essentially have to do all of the, the publicity and the legwork yourself. Um, so I mean, that's that's something that I've seen that it has worked relatively well. Not like not like you know it hasn't been perfect, but um, I think sort of forming those connections with people has been um, uh, really great. And especially for a lot of artists who I've seen who've maybe only played like two or three shows, you know, but they're all of a sudden getting invited to like play a show in like New York, and it's it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. But um, it's largely like built on on. Um, making those connections and and sort of not limiting yourself to um, what you can do in Chicago. I am starting to, when I go to like conferences like South By or CMJ or I go to like, you know, San Francisco, like, you know, when I go to other cities now, I am starting to see when I talk to other industry people and I mentioned I'm from Chicago and I've done interviews with, with various artists, like it means something now. You know, like they're like, they hear Chicago and then, you know, like I'll talk about different artists I've worked with or, or you know, uh, interviewed or done press with and stuff like that and they're like oh my you know like they know who it is they know what it means they're aware of the buzz we're doing and it, it especially feels like chicago is making a lot of inroads in new york you know like i see mishka i see a lot of like new york you know fader for it i feel like I, there's a lot of new york recognition that's starting to happen for the chicago scene it's also a lot of like london recognition yeah of things in, I've, I've actually been i mean Kind of like what you said, what you said with um, with Chance on the cover of Days and Confused, like I mean, that was before Complex, you know. Right. And so I, I think, um, yeah, it, it, especially the the types of, of music that that um, is being created here is sort of resonating on a large scale with um, with cities, with other cities, especially the, the big ones like New York. And I guess I didn't know it was <laughs> it wasn't acknowledged as a music city. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, like obviously, it's always going to be the seen as the little sister to New York and LA as far as um, you know every everything in the entertainment industry. Um, in Chicago, part of it's that Chicago has the doesn't have the self image that some of the other cities do. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think it ever really went away, and I, it's, it seems like there are always people doing interesting and unique things here. And maybe 10 years ago, it was like the avant-garde jazz scene that 
you know, everyone in England is raving about or like the post-rock scene or something like that. And now I think it's just changing, you know, just based on the trends in music. Yeah. The other thing that happens a lot is that someone, you know, I think Chicago still gets snubbed in some ways, but then we produce an artist, and I don't mean we like myself. I mean like Chicago as a, as a city and a community, you know, we'll produce an artist like a Chance or a Cruella or a Smith Westerns or, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, the other bigger markets are very happy to, like, you know, recognize us and work with our artists. But then it kind of feels like once the talent leaves Chicago, um, whether their address is here or not, but once they're kind of, like, belonging to the bigger narrative, it feels like Chicago, I think, gets a little bit ignored again on some levels. Do you guys see that? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, but I, you know, maybe I'm coming at it from a different perspective. So there's just nothing there hasn't been and I think now that's what's what like uh, before this internet age there weren't even really like local there were local music press and stuff but not that I think the artist community really saw and was like oh I can get my song on this blog and then I can also go to this website and see what all these other local artists are doing and right. then I can work with them together and like oh this is the studio that everyone is recording at. Let me go there also and like, oh, these are the people that shoot videos. Let me get, like people are really getting a lot more teams together here now and they're seeing that way we don't have to leave as much as uh, previously, you know, and just the whole Chicago being a city that pulls each other down. These guys, these things kind of wear away. I think we will see more artists stay here, make their music here, support, support local indie labels here because the internet gives so many more tools. The spotlight is here. The, uh, it's just a lot less harsh of an artistic space, I think. Yeah, because you know, I've had instances where Chicago artists, you know, they start to blow up and then I'll, you know, I'll talk to their publicist or the manager, whoever it is, and be like, oh, let's do an interview. And they're like, their tone, you can tell that the sentiment is like, we're not doing Chicago press. And I'm like, your artist is from Chicago. Why are you discounting the city that you're literally profiting from you know what I mean also like uh and I was in New York last week and met with like just a lot of different music people and you're right like they're all saying like oh wow this is really really uh something special happening before too it was like a big deal to have a meeting in New York or LA or oh man uh Dante Ross who's like a of OG music head works for labels like oh that's huge that he would contact me I think a lot of the artists at least in the hip-hop space are seeing that it's not as big a deal to just have someone from New York contact you as it was in the past. It's not like they're kind of going and traveling and seeing that it's not that much different than here, except their entertainment industries have more money and more structure. But we can catch it there. if they stay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's look at some of the other artists who had a really good year. Um, Corella, Brett, I know you you know, are very connected to the electronics. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on Corella, but I mean, just looking at the year they had, they released their debut record, Get Wet, uh, in September. That was out on Columbia. Debuted on number eight on the Billboard 200, number one on the electronic charts uh, the week it came out. They performed on the main stage for the first year at Spring Awakening. Previously, they'd been on, like, one of the smaller stages. Um, they had a huge set at Ultra this year. They had a residency at, and I think it's still going, at the Light Nightclub in Las Vegas. They had a lot of exposure on Vivo. So to me, like in the electronic side of things, I think they had a really big year as well. I think in general in, um, in Chicago, not just with them, but in general for the electronic scene, it was a pretty spectacular year. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're sort of, um, I think we have, uh, we have Spring Awakening, we had mm -hmm. Electric Daisy Carnival, Wavefront, um, you know, half of uh, of North Coast is electronic. There was the Perry West stage West in previous years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's sort of been a really it's been a really spectacular year um, for that, and, and and their success actually doesn't really surprise me that much because at least when it comes to um, electronic music, Chicago is sort of like. Uh, it's getting sort of like a second or third birth. Sure, um, yeah. And uh, people from across the globe are sort of like, oh, well, this is where it all started, and so we we have to come back here, and mm -hmm. we have to, like, recognize what's happening here and what people are building out of uh, out of the city. So, um, Do you think that Wax Tracks anthology helped that? 
Maybe. I, I would say, actually, yeah, I would say so. It's, I mean, people just know inherently. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? And even when you look at, like, you know, what Spring Awakening does every year where they put on, like, a, a, a Tommy Sunshine or a Felix or a Green Velvet or, you know, like, it's always, like, you know, there's at least one or two heritage house artists. Right. I, I know uh, Colette had a new album this year. And, mm -hmm. like, you know, these are all things where now I feel like some of these kind of, like, um, veterans or legacy artists in the Chicago kind of electronic, industrial, EDM, DJ, whatever term you want to throw in it, they're starting to get their due, I think. Yes. Even like um, sort of uh, um, branching off from that, like uh, like DJ Rashad, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's sort of everyone's sort of like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like they just heard it for the first time, even though it's been building here for like, <laughs> I mean, like decades, you know what I mean? But, uh, but, but people are starting to, to recognize it now. So it's, to me, it's been a very very uh, exciting year. Um, and I mean, will the electronic music bubble burst probably, but um, while it's <laughs> happening right now, it's been, it's been very exciting from, from both the sort of uh, um, the larger artists who are playing like the huge stages and also from the, the smaller, more experimental artists as well. Do you feel like Cruella is one of the next kind of, and I think it's already happening, one of the next like big pop success stories from Chicago, like musically, there's no um, comparison. Like, there's no similarities really between these two acts. My name, but I kind of feel like they're they might be the next fallout boy, in the sense of like connecting with that kind of like young pop audience, having you know a, a multi-record contract. I'm assuming with a major label. You know what I mean? Like again, not the same kind of music, but I, that I feel like they're gonna occupy the same kind of energy and space. I could see that. Um, I think that they um, are different than uh, than a lot of other sort of um, mainstream electronic artists who have become, who've become bigger in the past couple of years. And that kind of like what you said, like um, they have a more uh, uh, sort of pop orientation to yeah, their absolutely. music. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we're moving away from the sort of bangers culture <laughs> um, and, and more towards um, music that's a little bit more uh, melodic and, and structured and things I like mean, that. I mean, you turn on KISS FM and every 10 minutes it's, it's Zed, you know, and it's like, I mean, EDM, whatever you think of that term, you know, what people are calling EDM is so pop now yeah. and it's so top 40 ready and mm -hmm. it's not even like these songs are getting a, an EDM remix, they're just coming to top 40 right. already EDM, yeah. you know if that's a verb. Um, who else do you think was big this year in the Chicago electronic music scene? Um, let's see. Uh, I really, there's a lot of um, sort of uh, emerging producers who I've been really excited by, mm -hmm. uh, like Supreme Cuts mm -hmm. um, yes. and The Drum. Both of them okay. have been just fantastic and they've been doing a lot of work for other people um and then uh, supreme cuts came out with an album this year and they're coming out with another one next year um and uh the drum has produced a lot of music for um themselves and then working with um a couple of r&b singers to jody. create a group called jody mm -hmm. um and they've done some music for leaf as well who's like a you know rapper um not from chicago uh and uh I, I've been really sort of excited and um, interested in what they're doing because people are um, outside of Chicago are recognizing it. And to me, it doesn't really sound a lot like what um, is happening in other cities. It, it has this very distinct Chicago feel, mm -hmm. very moody, heavy. Sparse, yeah, yeah like, atmospheric, yeah. It's the sort of music you listen to like in the winter in January, like trudging like through the snow. At least that's what I did. It's like, this fits perfectly. <laughs> There's a lot of the music in Chicago. Yeah, yeah no matter the, the genre. Well, you know, like you look at, and you mentioned, and they were definitely on my list, like the kind of like, I don't know, community culture, the groups, like, you know, like Supreme Cuts, like the drum, even like, you know, different sleep and, mm -hmm. There's, there's definitely, like, a culture of producers that are up and coming in Chicago. And, I mean, um, who was it? Was it Jody who was at CMJ? And then the drum? No, it was Jody who filled the slot for Supreme Cuts at Lollapalooza, too, which is, I think, a huge kind of platform for them that they were not expecting to have. Yeah. So, you know, 
I think it'll be a big year in 2014 for, for Jody, for Supreme Cuts, and for a lot of the related, and for the drum as well. And they're, you know, even though, like, a lot of their music, it's, it sounds similar, but it, it's also, you know, they're all individual artists. Um, they, I, I think they would be okay with saying, yeah, we're part of this scene. Mm -hmm. They throw a lot of events together, a lot of parties, a lot of, you know, co-headlining um, uh, of things they, they collaborate a lot as well it feels like there's this like overlap where you almost can't yeah. tell where one thing starts with certain projects you're like is this a jody project or a drum project right. or supreme cuts and you're like it all blurs or is it just gtw you're like mm -hmm. you don't know yeah yeah so um so i think that uh, as they're all sort of being recognized as a um as a scene 2014 should be pretty good oh also throwing in like how to dress well in there as well mm -hmm. since he's from chicago and yeah. Peripheral. Yeah, and I mean, everyone you just named to artists again, getting back to New York, who I see getting a lot of attention from New York, for sure. Like, I know that the, the Jody Fader gig at CMJ, you know, it's something that they really were very hyped about. Um, Vic Mensa, another one who had a really huge year, especially the second half of 2013. He released his mixtape, Internet Tape, uh, in September. He was number two on Greg Cott's Chicago Indie Album list of 2013, number seven on Rolling Stone's Best Mixtape list, and he was also one of Red Bull's top 10 rap mixtapes of the year. Um, thoughts on Vic Mensa and what 2013 meant for him and what he meant for the year? Okay. I mean, do we... I just talked Sure. Uh, no, no, no. But <laughs> well, like, uh, I think that this year was cool for Vic. It was like a just really interesting time, and he kind of, I feel, uh, I don't want to call it his like year of redemption, but it was kind of like a year of him finding himself after being part of Kids These Days. And I definitely, when that when that had went down and they broke up, I was just talking to him about what it's like to put your time into a group or a for me even with Ruby Hornet where I was like man I know what it's like to to not think to like put a lot of yourself into something else a bigger group and think that it's going to go on for a long time they had just signed a record deal he probably didn't think that this was going to break up and then it broke up and so many artists had kind of passed him by or were taking the spotlight and some of them that he even helped you know put on with kids these days you know Vic mm -hmm. made made uh i think an older generation take the newer generation seriously yeah, from an artist standpoint from when he started showing up at, at studio sessions and, and performing um so it was cool to see like his group break up but it allowed him to kind of get back to being like i am vic mensa and find himself and put out this project that was received really well yeah i mean the thing with kids these days is it's really hard, and especially when they're all, you know, young and teenagers, early 20s, it's really hard, I think, to kind of have, like, a nine-headed kind of operation. Especially when pe everyone is so talented. They yes, were like everyone in the group is so talented. a band of people that could all do solo stuff, and, like, since then, um, Nico Segal has been on tour with Frank Ocean. Mm -hmm. um, I think Greg also went on tour with him. Uh, some of them have started us other there's two other side pro side or now bands that have sprung yeah. from that collective so it's like it's just a group of so immensely talented people but I think you're right I think that that with internet tape there was so much kind of energy and I think it was kind of proving something where it's like he has this he still has a lot of story left to tell and a lot of work left in him after kids these days, because it would be easy to, that group had so much promise, and then when they split up, it would be easy to be like, well, we don't know if we're ever gonna hear from any of them ever again. But I think he really did prove himself, even in just these last few months, that he absolutely has a, you know, career after after that group. And you, you talk about like him having so much to say, so much internet tape is like just words. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he's like trying to cram everything he can into the into the raps it's kind of like i think really reminding people for Vic, and i think you know for at least a certain um 
people in the hip hop community at least like Vic led the way for these other dudes especially like Chance there were studio sessions and there's some documentaries where Vic was the featured artist and Chance is in the background and like trying to get on the records with Babu or something and Vic is like no this is my this is my session but he invited him to come and help put him on and it's kind of I think Vic was putting his flag back down of like you know I'm Vic Mensa I mean I saw him perform at Man, I don't remember which party it was, but one of these, you know, hyped up parties at CMJ in New York um, two months ago, and his set was just wild. I mean, just so ferocious, you know, and not in like a threatening way, but he just had so much raw energy that he brought, and the whole room was there all to watch him, you know, like he was a lot of industry folks who, like, I literally talked to people who were from a label from Australia that were there to watch him that night. I mean, people mm -hmm. literally from all over the world. In, in a very short amount of time, he built up a lot of interest around what he was doing, you know. Um, let's look at the rock side of things. Two groups that really also had a great year on their end are Twin Peaks and the Orwells. And I'm lumping them together because, not that they're the same group, but they are very much part of a shared scene. They're connected, they're friends. Uh, the two groups have performed a lot of shows together and a lot of shows where they're just in each other's audience. So, you know, for Twin Peaks, they released Sunken in July of this year, which was a re-release of their first record from earlier. Uh, they played Riot Fest uh, this year as well, and they made a lot of year-end lists. Um, and the Orwells, they released two EPs, Other Voices and Who Needs You, They uh, and those were the follow-up to their 2012 full length. They collaborated with Dave Satak from TV on the radio on their records, and they performed at Lollapalooza, you know, like what do we think that in a year that a lot of people I think have, you know, to varying degrees declared rock dead or, you know, maybe inactive or not as prominent in the in the face of like, you know, artists like Chance and Corella and people like this, you know, what did Twin Peaks and the Orwells kind of mean to Chicago? <laughs> I think they're just two more rock bands. I think, I don't think that they necessarily made more or less of an impact than anyone else in town. And I think it's actually it was a fantastic year for Chicago rock music. I'm not knocking either of those sure. bands, but I don't necessarily, I think the Orwell's put out a couple really good EPs and you know, it's, it's cool to see, you know, Riot Fest continue to support local artists, but um, to me, they don't stand out more or less than, than anyone else. I saw a lot of Chicago bands get on a lot of year-end lists, um, playing all over the world, doing amazing things, um, amazing shows in town as well. And, you know, I, I went to Europe and everyone's like, oh, you're from Chicago? And they wanted, they know more about the bands here than I do even. So like, so who, who do you, really... who was, I guess, in your kind of view this year that was really like doing some great work in the city from the rock side of it? Well, I think Wreckmeister Harmonies, um, I think that's been pretty pretty amazing. A lot of people are talking about that. Um, that's, you know, JR put together, he's, one of his talents is putting together amazing rosters of musicians, and his first record had dipped into, like, the jazz scene here and jazz community. This one was more of, um, had some classical musicians and then really sunk in heavily into, like, the metal community, which mm -hmm. is, I think, one of our biggest... Um, I guess artistic uh, voices right now is, is the heavy music community. And um, he was able just to, to make this, you know, together they made this amazing record and um, you know they're touring Europe and it was one of the most talked about, I think, this year. Um, Do you think that the metal scene here gets kind of sidelined, at least in terms of like the mainstream conversation? Because there's absolutely like a very dedicated, devoted, hardcore metal community and, and press and outlets, but when you talk about like the prominent like mainstream year-end list in Chicago, I feel like it's Pelican and Russian Circles, and those are well, the two that get mentioned. Well, Pelican just put out, I think, in my opinion, like one of the best records they've done in, in many years, and Russian Circles has not done a bad record yet. I don't think mm -hmm. they ever will. Um, I think those, those groups have been consistently... Um, Russian circles, anyway. Um, they've been consistently touring. They're touring Europe, and you know, in the city, I, I, everyone knows them. But they're they're pretty chill guys. Like they're not 
you know, they're, they're very interested in, in making good music and making that really show. And I think that's one of the defining features in independent music of any kind, but especially like maybe that's one of the attributes in Chicago that maybe, maybe on some level does keep some of our, our artists away from the mainstream discourse because that's not one of, one of the values here as much as like really making really good songs. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's been really inspiring, I, th I think, to see, like, I've, I've been here almost eight years and just seeing the rock community and heavy stuff, um, not, you know, psychedelic music, garage music, really make a big impact. And, um, but I think, to an, in answer your question about, I think there's, uh, I think there's definitely a disconnect between what, what's happening independently that is considered successful and what is happening on, you know, the main Top 40 radio station. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, I look at venues like Reggie's and like Cobra Lounge, and, mm -hmm. and these are venues, and, the, and not just limited to these two, you know, but, but they have tons of great, you know, and Reggie's, I think, is a really diverse venue that, that hosts a lot of great different genre-type nights. Um, but, you know, I'll see, like, full metal bills from venues like those and more, and I see people really, really passionately enthusiastic about it, you know, talking about attending it in their Facebook feed where it's not a sponsored post, it's actual real people. And then I, you know, I'll, I, I don't see it like uh, show up in, again, some of the prominent Chicago media, and I'm not trying to single anyone out, but it's just interesting that that energy just sometimes doesn't transfer for whatever reason. Um, well, I think you're talking about, you know, inherently like, you know, if you're using metal as an example, and you could just as well use punk or psychedelic music sure. or any of these other things, they're sort of outsider genres, but um, the reason some of them, you know, metal is a really good example, like, the reason it's still around is because the fans are really, really devoted. Absolutely. So those bands are selling out, every, you know, a lot of them are selling out every venue they play, and they're, you know, you're seeing, like, sponsors are going for it, like Converse, um, Red Bull, uh, Scion has like a whole metal magazine now. Yeah. So um, even though it's not being played necessarily on the radio, you know, because because of a, a lot of factors, the spread of more more media outlets, the spread of more concert venues, um, the fact that it is a genre that's really meant to be seen live more than even even if you have the best record on earth, you still hope that it's going to be even that much better in performance. I think has really kept that community growing. Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is one of the most, I think, diehard fan bases. And that's something I've, I've seen for years and years and years. In but city. it's also been, like, growing to the point that, like, there's a lot more crossover, a lot of, uh, I think one of the Chicago artists this year, there was kind of, like, the surprise uh, hit, I'd say, that did make some of the end-of-year lists in the city and out, outside of the city was Oozing Wound. Okay. And that was a, that's a band that... They wrote, write really good songs, and they just happened to be kind of in the right place at the right time, and were opening for a friend's band, and um, through a couple conversations, got ended up getting signed to Thrill Jockey, um, just on the merit of, of their work, which was pretty cool. But, you know, you see a band like that get signed, you know, those guys play in a lot of different types, types of stuff, that, not just heavy music, everything in Chicago, but... You know, I went to their record release party at the Empty Bottle, sold out, and it was very, very much a mixed group of people, a lot of what I'd consider more of a mainstream rock crowd, so. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, we're going to open it up in maybe about five minutes. I don't know if anyone in the room has any questions, but we do have a audience mic, so let's hit one or two other quick topics before we mm -hmm. potentially open it up to the room. Um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because there's a billion think pieces on this, but I'm just curious. Jesus, any thoughts? Like, you know, people are so divisive on this record and people are so divisive on Kanye West right now. And again, it's not worth getting into like a 40-minute discussion on Kanye because there's a million people doing that. But, you know, what do you guys think? Where do you fall on him right now and Kanye West at the end of 2013? Um, Jesus to me sounds like his one of his like transitional albums like mm -hmm. it's kind of like 808s um not that they sound the same but that it, it's released for a particular reason in terms of how he needs to express music at the moment um i personally loved it for the the um 
the beats and the production work. Um, uh, you know, I, I like electronic music, so he had um, some music from uh, like Evian Christ, who's this like guy up in like the mm -hmm. mountains and like England or something. Um, but to me, like sonically, it was very interesting. Lyrically, I didn't really enjoy it, but I understand why he wanted to release this album at this moment. So I don't think I would call it like the best album of the year, um, but uh, it was really interesting and a surprise um, coming from Kanye. Yeah, and I mean, especially like coming off of, um, you know, Twisted Fantasy, which was just such a like kind of pop mass. It was, it was like his pet sounds, I feel like, you know, and, and everybody loved it. And then he was just like, like, let's make this very aggressive, divisive record that a lot of people aren't going to love, you know. And he's, I mean, like, he's, like, going through some sort of, like, public personal struggles. <laughs> sure. Which, you know, are definitely, like, tying into his music. Um, and they're really, they're really interesting. I, he had the ideas for them on Jesus. I think that, like, if he was still wanted to, like, go in this direction, he, it would be, like, the next album on which they would be better articulated. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> Alex, anything to add? Man, I love Kanye West. He's one of my favorite artists ever. I, I just, from a creative standpoint, like, I, I get it. I agree. Like, it sounds fine. I just don't like it very much. I don't think it's, like, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't vibe with, with the Yeezus. But I thought it was dope how he, like, put it out. He made it a huge event, you know, putting your face on buildings, like, very 1984. And, yeah, that was And really all cool. that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know any of my friends that like it. Like, I really haven't met, a, like, a hip-hop fan, I guess, that likes the kind of music I like that has been like, yeah, let's play that Yeezus again. I just haven't. I don't, when I get in my friends' cars or the, the young kids that come to the studio, none of them have been listening to Yeezus on their I think there's a couple but strong I love Kanye. tracks. There are, there are some solid tracks, but, but yeah, you can't it hasn't connected. Go straight like, through it. I just feel like the release of it, the idea of it, was bigger and better than the actual music on the, when I bought the CD. From, from my experience, and definitely not as a Kanye West fan at all, um, I, don't, you know, I don't relate to him. I don't like reading his interviews. I don't like him. But I did, <laughs> Fair. I mean, my opinion of the record was, like, I was actually really surprised that I'm like, if you would take off all this, like, auto-tune stuff, and just, maybe if he just didn't sing, or whatever he does, <laughs> took off all if the he Kanye just took West. off the Kanye West, but the music was cool, and I was really, it made me appreciate him more that he's actually going to, I guess, put that out in a mainstream and, and challenge listeners who, I think, in the last decade... Everything's been so so um, watered down and auto-tuned and fixed and doesn't have a lot of like substance in, in a lot of ways um, in many cases. But I, I thought it was cool that he actually like, put something out to challenge people. And some of the music I liked a lot, and some of it was you know it's not always going to be your cup of tea or anything. But um, I was surprised how much I liked it com compared to how much I thought I would. All right. I think Jay-Z's album was better uh, than Jesus. I don't know. Right. I would have that talk with my students a lot. But yeah, it was, <laughs> it was cool. Like, like I said, Kanye is amazing as an artist and a figure. Jesus, it was kind of like, for me at least, he kind of went into a place where I can't really rock with it as much. And then in the interviews, we don't need to talk about that, but it's, been, like hilarious. it's been crazy watching this whole thing. I feel like Kanye albums, and then we should totally move on to the last thing here. I feel like Kanye albums are kind of like if you miss a bus, there's another one coming in 15 minutes. You know, there's another Kanye album next year he's talking about. Um, and I have no inkling what it's going to sound like, but I would bet anything it's going to sound nothing like this. And it'll be a totally different experience. So then maybe that'll be the one that everybody suddenly is like, oh my God, Kanye's back. Or maybe they'll be like, whoa, this is even harsher than Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, and I think too, like, it's not a bad album. Like, it's still better than the majority. Just for Kanye, I didn't like stacking it up just against his own works. I didn't like it as as much, but uh, sure. it's still really good. Like, he doesn't do anything. There's never been something like, man, you really jagged on that one, Kanye. Like, yeah, he always goes all in on whatever he does, whether you like it or not. It's always. You know. Are you going to the Yeezus shows? Either of them? 
Are any of you going? Mm-mm. I'm waiting to hear about tickets. I'm going to go tomorrow. It'll be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, let us know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's end on this note. And then if anyone has any questions, I think we got a, a kind of 10-minute window. So we'll run through this really quick with predictions for artists that I think are going to have, or uh, who any of us think are going to have a good year in 2014. Um, my picks really quick. Gemini Club, they're getting a lot of support from Red Bull. Um, I feel like any day now is going to be their day. Um, this group called Bummer, which is former members of a indie group called Young Jesus, and they put out a really, really, really great song this year called Low that was a little bit slept on. Like, I know some people noticed it, but I think Bummer have a lot of potential if Low is any indication to really do something great next year. Uh, same with a group called Bonzi. Uh, they have, and I don't know her name, but they have a, a front woman who's 16 years old, and she's making tremendous music with this group. Uh, they had a song called Data Blockers, which was, I think, another one of the year's best slept on local songs. Um, Caleb James and Joey Perp from Save Money. It could go on and on, but I think that 2014 is another year that holds a lot of potential for Chicago music. Who do you guys, you know, who are you excited about for the next year? Um, I think a lot of female rappers are, are mm-hmm. even more, like, more than the men, I mean, not more than, like, Chance, but, like, um, like Sasha Gohard and Tink, um, they've sure. actually been getting a lot of press, and a lot of people who I didn't think would actually listen to them um, are, are listening to them, so I think they could actually do some really interesting things, because um, a lot of times when we're talking about Chicago rap, we're, we're sort of talking about men and Chicago rap, mm-hmm. um, and uh, in terms of uh, electronic music, or in terms of like R&B music, um, I'm actually really excited by uh, everything that GTW has been doing, Yes. Um, Greater Than Wealth, he's, uh, he's He's kind of he's a really interesting dude, and um, his his tastes and his influences are really uh, unique. And I think that he's sort of creating something that's pretty unique in that he's he's bridging R and B and and a lot of different types of electronic music, and then like music from um, his home country of Nigeria. So I think he could really break through because people again like in terms of the type of music that he's making, it is, um, or, or it has had this really uh, global perspective on it where people are sampling and taking things from across the globe. And that's who he is as a person and how his music is um, being created as well. Yeah, he's someone who I've been waiting for like a, a full length for, or like some kind of like larger project because it's like, every, everything he, every time he drops something, I'm just like, dude, like, like you have so much that's going to happen. Like, give us like a big um, I like uh, this kid. He actually was in my class at Columbia a couple years ago, but his name's Saba, and he's a producer, and he also raps and sings, and I think he's really talented. Very, very good kid. Um, I was, I think, uh, speaking of Chicago female rappers, like uh, No Name Gypsy is pretty dope. I think she has a lot of attention. We can't discount, like, some of the um, more veteran artists, even like a Psalm One or... Uh, uh, another younger one, John Doe. There's a lot of female uh, talent. But besides from them, um, I'm just going to name all the closed session artists. So I don't, I don't know. I guess I would have to recuse myself no, from but, this well, question. You know, what question. have you got coming up from closed sessions? Um, Alex Wiley uh, is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a kid that we're working with. His new music's very, very good. Uh, Lucky X is a guy that's getting a lot of uh, press attention now. He just put out a video, a new video. I think he's a really, really good good kid and has, I think a lot of the younger artists have just great ideas and a lot of creativity. And they haven't been like bogged down by some of the negativity or all the like constant slamming of doors that I think people in my age group have been right. bogged down by where it's like they look at it at like sky's the limit in a sense. I think it's a much more open platform because there's the internet and they can go be expressive on YouTube or SoundCloud or Tumblr or Instagram or anything, and they can reach this audience, and it just gives them a lot more unlimited. And you're right. Like, I think maybe artists or media from our side, from our age, where it's like you, you heard no a lot. Right. You tried to come up with new ideas or tried to be like, let's support this or this or this, and people, people don't want to spend the money or the time or the effort. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amy? Uh, I think it's going to be another huge year for Chicago artists, and I think I feel like I'm getting at least an email a week about 
some amazing record, uh, hopefully amazing record that's coming out next year. Um, off the top of my head, I know um, Angela James, who's more like a, a country singer-songwriter, she's got a new record. I think that's gonna do really well. Um, I think, yeah, especially coming off of the EP that she did. Um, as far as rock music, um, the couple records I'm excited about personally are Atlas Moth, which I think, yes, yeah, those guys are, are fantastic. Um, I saw them, I was lucky enough to see them play in Europe when I was there um, for Sold Out Room, basically at this festival. Um, I think they're all sold out there. But um, Lord Mantis, which again, like, um, phenomenal band from Chicago, and I, don't, I forgot when their record is coming out, but I think that's going to be amazing. Um, I don't know, there's, there's just so many great bands from here, I, I can't even, yeah, I think, I think there's just going to be a lot of really good records that come out, and, and whether those people are going to be on MTV or anything obviously remains to be seen, but um, I'm, just, I'm just looking forward to hearing a lot of great music and going to a lot of great shows. Yeah. Also, I, th I wanted, I forgot to mention, I think um, Young Chop's going to have an amazing 2014 and, and really, like, be, he's already fairly big, but I think, like, this will be the year where everybody is getting Young Chop records, and he's, like, the, one of the biggest producers. Yeah, and we should give really quick, and then, again, I don't know if anyone in the room has any questions. If so, you're welcome to step up to the mic, but... Like also, we should give a shout out to um, Stefan Ponce, who was another big producer this year. He uh, had production on Acid Rap for Chance. He had production on Because of the Internet, the new Childish Gambino record, and he was DJing for Vic Mensa as well. And you know, um, Peter Cottontail, for yeah. sure. He's he's gonna blow up. He's an amazingly talented kid. I'm also interested to see what like 1833, which is a uh, promotions uh, group in Chicago, and I'm going to say that they're new, but the guys behind it are not new. Uh, it's Blake, who, of course, worked with Kilo Records. It's Zach Eastman, who's been around in the Chicago scene for a minute. He worked with EBU, been promoting shows for a while. But 1833, and I know, Britt, you, you wrote about them. I mm -hmm. feel like they're going to keep doing big things in 2014. Yeah, they've been, um, they've been bringing in a lot of uh, really unique artists, um, but they've also... Uh, done a lot to support like local artists as well. Absolutely. They've kind of got their hands on like a whole bunch of different pots and um, I've, I've been really excited by everything that they've been working on for the past year. I think it's only gonna get um, bigger for them and, and they've really sort of established a pretty strong brand for themselves. And they've only been around since like January, February of this yeah. year, like as 1833. I mean, so they've right. been doing stuff for a while, so. It's a good year. Um, so I think, you know, we've covered a lot of perspective on different areas of the Chicago music scene and some really disparate, you know, like, like Yeezus has nothing to do with Atlas Moss, has nothing to do with Cruella. But I mean, I think that the kind of thorough line is that Chicago, you know, as much as any other year is really kind of fighting this war on all fronts where they're going out representing for the city and representing beyond the city and taking what's happening here, which Chicago's always had a vibrant music scene and all sorts of different genres and styles and scenes and everybody I think is trying to bring it out you know trying to put it out for Chicago on a bigger scale so that New York so that London so that Los Angeles and, and San Francisco and Nashville and Austin so that everybody knows that we're really doing things here that these things were not a one-off that Naked Raygun, Smashing Pumpkins, R. Kelly, Wilco, Fall Out Boy, Rise Against the list goes on and on like there's new classes coming out in all different scenes it's not like we just had big players come out in previous decades and it's over. So, um, really, really exciting stuff. Um, I want to thank really each one of our panelists, um, Alex Fruchter, Britt Julius, and Jamie Ludwig for being part of this panel tonight and really for sharing some tremendous insight. Thank you guys really for taking the time. Thanks. Um, thank you to David Chavez and Dylan Rice of the Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events for having Dynasty Podcasts as part of this Creatives at Work series. I know that I believe there's going to be some um, surveys at the door when people are leaving. And thanks to everybody who showed up tonight in the really nasty snowy weather or who is checking this out later as a podcast. My name is Jaima Black for Dynasty Podcasts. Thank you guys all for coming out. This has been the Dynasty Podcast Panelcast Series. 
Thanks to the City of Chicago's Creatives at Work Music Forum series for having Dynasty Podcasts at the event. And to Britt Julius, Alex Fruchter, and Jamie Ludwig for being on the panel cast. You can find more live podcasts and panels at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend.